It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year, 2022, Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup, featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet, playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season. Subscribe, like, and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you. We want to welcome on board the Island Pacific Soap Company as our first commercial partner. They make high-quality, all-natural, handcrafted bath soap. Check them out online, and a big shout-out to Paul for all the support. The thing I think I can really bring is passion and excitement, and it just you know, makes people turn around and just look at the TV. That's sort of what I want to bring, so if I can bring that, I'm happy. In our final episode for Series 3, we go behind the scenes and talk women's voices in hoops and sport. Selected for the inaugural FIBA She Calls game, Julia Montesano is no slouch on the mic. She's called AFL to hoops since she was a teen in Melbourne and is ramping up for the FIBA Women's World Cup in Sydney this September, where she'll call play-by-play alongside some heavyweights in the sporting commentary world. As part of the innovative Making the Call initiative, Julia has been flexing her vocal muscles and enjoying a little play-by-play hoops hustle. She takes us behind the scenes in her first WNBL gig alongside veterans such as Laurie Chiswick and Jenny Screen. Also, recently calling this year's AFLW draft and with the AFLW season about to kick off, she hopes to have a lasting impact in getting other women to step up to the mic and change the media landscape. Listen up as Julia takes us through the new game in town. Enjoy. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining my co-host Jacinta Govind and myself today, it's Julia Montesano. Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Paul and Jacinta. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really good to have you here because you've had a really interesting trajectory to get here. You, you know, you've got She Got Game inaugural winner for the FIBA Women's World Cup. You've done play-by-play calling for the WNBL. You're doing NBL one and you're also working in the AFLW, so that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, certainly a lot on my plate. But yeah, it's just it's just great to be involved in, in women's sports, especially when it's at such a high level and there's so much women's sport around to actually watch it and work in. So yeah, I'm very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. First of all, let's talk about the um, She Got Game program for the FIBA Women's World Cup. Congratulations on, on getting that one. But also, how did you decide that you were going to throw your hat in the ring and try for it? Yeah, it was such a strange one. It was sort of just like a a sort of throwaway decision in the end. I didn't really think about it too much. I just saw it and thought, I just have to go for it. Like, why wouldn't you? It's a great opportunity to call the Women's World Cup on home soil. And, you know, I've been working on my commentary for a while and, you know, I played basketball for about 10 years as a junior. So I just thought um, it's a chance to do something different in the sport and make an impact in that way. So yeah, I went for it and thankfully progressed through all the stages and was the winner in the end. But yeah, I had so much, I know I had so much great competition. A lot of people, a lot of great women and non-binary people applied for it. It was just fantastic to see the talent 
you know, all over the world. So, um, yeah, certainly not taking this for granted at all. It's a great opportunity. And tell us about like the process that you went through to get the position because I myself also entered and then I realized when I saw other people's entries how homemade my entry was. And so I imagine that I would love to know what your entry looked like and then once you were selected for the first round, what did they get you to do, you know, with each round until you got um, selected? Yeah, so in your Exhibit A for the amazing talent that was in the program. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't know how I won this bloody thing, but there you go. Here I am. Um, but I suppose to get to your question, as to, in terms of the stages, like I say this to a lot of people, I actually found the first stage the hardest. It was the bit where you had to record a two-minute video describing yourself and what your interests were. And I'm not very, I'm not a very extroverted person, believe it or not. I just sort of like to keep on the download and keep quiet. So making that video was the hardest bit. I didn't think it was very good. I just got my phone out and pressed record. I was wearing what I am now, just the, you know, a black Nike top. So wasn't anything special, but I guess they, they liked what they heard. And yeah, I think the next stage was calling um, a five minute clip of the 2018 Women's World Cup. So, you know, they sort of gave us a lot of information to work off, a lot of facts. So, you know, a lot of the work was sort of done. They just wanted to sort of hear the, the style and tone. They weren't too fussed about the pronunciation of names or anything like that. But then the, the next stage was calling a live game between Mali and Nigeria. And those were in the Women's World Cup qualifiers. And yeah, the times I was pretty fun. I knew it was 10 o'clock Melbourne time. I think I was calling that game on a Sunday night. So yeah, you sort of, it was a good opportunity to be switched on, you know, really honing on those pronunciations and those finer skills that, um, you know, you got feedback from the first time around. So yeah, it was a great experience and a really well thought through process to, to get the pest, the best person. And the pest, I suppose, in me. <laughs> <laughs> the pest and the best. <laughs> yes, there you go. That's <laughs> so was there anything that you actually thought, like, you did a bit different that helped you stand out? Not really, to be honest. I just sort of, I just take into every game that I do, whether it's basketball, or Aussie rules or soccer, whatever I'm calling, I just like to be myself. I know that's the best I can do in anything that's the message the parents always tend to give you as well just to do your best so yeah that was what I was focusing on nothing too different I knew if I sway too differently it could be the difference between you know first and second so um, yeah I just tried to keep to my structures and keep to my normal routine in preparation for a game and it ended up you know turning up the right way which is good. I think that's one of your strengths and something I really like about you as a commentator is that you can tell how much you enjoy it you like smile through your voice and your enthusiasm, especially when you were calling the WNBL games, was so refreshing. That's when I remember when you started and I hadn't heard of you before and I was like, who is it? And I was looking you up on socials and things like that. I became a fan because I was like, this is someone who genuinely loves it. And like when you watch it as a fan, you all, you know, you're excited and you want to have like a commentator to share that excitement. So I feel like that's one of your strengths and what makes me a fan of your commentary as well. Um, but do you enjoy the play-by-play more or do you enjoy kind of like the expert kind of commentary? Like, because, you know, they work kind of in tandem as a team in, in commentary. Do you have a preference? Yeah. Firstly, thank you for those very kind words. I mean, that's exactly, oh, yeah. that's exactly what I want to like sort of, you know, bring to my commentary. You know, there's a lot of, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of better commentators than me out there. People know a lot more than me. But the thing I think I can really bring is passion and excitement and it just you know, makes people turn around and just look at the TV. That's sort of what I want to bring. So if I can bring that, I'm happy. But in terms of what I prefer, I actually do prefer the play-by-play side of things. You know, I've 
did sort of expert commentary in my very, very early years, like in my teenage years, you know, for basketball and a bit for footy as well. And I was no good. Um, it's sort of hard for me to just go into the analytical side of things. I like to sort of get to know the person deeper. Like, you know, I think when I did special comments, like my first ever special comments game, I wasn't talking anything about structures on the footy field. I was talking about facts about the person, you know, if it was a stoppage in play, I would speak about the player that just got it. She's actually a mum with three kids, you know, things like that I'd sort of bring to the broadcast. So I certainly wasn't an expert. I leave that to the experts, but it's definitely good to have an expert to bounce off because, you know, you, you learn so much from the likes of, you know, people like Laurie Chizik, especially. Um, yeah, she's an absolute gun. So, you know, Jenny Screen's another great one. So, yeah, it's certainly good to have an expert next to me, but I'll stick to the play-by-play. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to touch on something that the FIBA General Secretary, uh, Andreas Eglis, spoke about. He said it's really important for us to have female voices behind the mic. And I, I absolutely agree with that. How do we build up that pool of talent? Because even though, you know, WNBL, 40 plus years, there's still a lot of guys calling games. Yeah. How do we turn that around? I'm not even going to touch the NBL one. <laughs> That's a whole other kettle of fish. Let's just stick to the WNBL for now. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. I mean, the demand certainly is there now for female voices. I'm getting so many calls every week to, to do different things. And I just I just can't commit anymore. I think my work's just sort of got a bit too busy. So I, all I can say is there's definitely a demand out there. So if you are listening and wanting to get into commentary, please just keep trying because your name I will spruik your name. I will make your name come up, you know, and a lot of people will do the same thing as well. You know, there's a lot of great programs beginning to sort of come to the surface as well. I know Making the Call is a great one with the Race Sisters, Emma and Lucy. Um, That's the program I went in back in 2020, I think it was. So mine was a fully online program, but we spoke, heaps of great mentors spoke to us, you know, Daisy Pierce, um, Mel Jones, some really great renowned callers and, and really great female voices spoke to us. And it sort of it not only helps with your, your commentary and your broadcast skills, it just helps with your networking. Like I've got people from there that now give me feedback on a regular basis. I know I can just email them anytime and, and they can just listen to a clip and, and say what they think. So that's certainly a great program. But even just approaching sort of female commentators, I know a lot of people make themselves accessible. Kelly Underwood's a great example. She will speak to anyone and everyone if they want to commentate and she will do everything you can. She'll bring you into a commentary box. If you, if you can't be there, if you're in a different state or country, she'll get you there on Zoom. She'll email you. She'll, you know, get into contact with you and make sure you're okay. So there's definitely sort of outlets there and people to speak to. People do want to listen to female voices. People do want to get them working in jobs. So it's just a matter of reaching out, saying g'day. You never know what it could turn into because, yeah, it's the start of something really big, I think. And is that how it started for you? Like you just kind of thought, I, this is what I want to pursue. So you went out there and got it essentially? Yeah, and a little bit of that. I mean, it's not just, it's not as easy as just walking into a commentary box and calling a game, of course. But, you know, everyone starts somewhere. And I started at my local football league in the Essendon District League. You know, I just said, if I can just jump on a microphone and, and be special comments, you know, just for a Friday night game down at Jakarta, which is like, you know, sort of the, one of the dodgiest suburbs in Melbourne, if, if, if you call it, you know, sort of, you know, just a place not many people expect you to be on a Friday night. But I was there. I just got behind the microphone and started calling and, you know, I thought, okay, I like this. This is pretty good. And then, you know, went to another community broadcaster um, in Women's Australian Rules Football Radio and just did a bit there with them as well, doing special comments and then progressing into play-by-play calling for, in that sense as well, for Aussie Rules Football. And then, 
yeah, then came making the call and I grew my confidence a bit more. I grew my network a bit more. And that's when I started to sort of reach out on my own to sort of these bigger people and these bigger places. And then, you know, in turn, people reach out to you. I think, you know, Emma and Lucy have got that big contact book of all of our names and um, they're ready to throw our names at people left, right and centre. There's always people coming to them asking, who could we call on to call a soccer game on Wednesday? Who can we call on to produce a radio show for us on Monday? Like there's so many opportunities coming up and, you know, if you're sort of in that network, it becomes easier to, to reach out to people and, you know, they do it on your behalf, which is easier for me and for any introvert out there as well, I'm sure. So, yeah, there's a lot of sort of great outlets to doing that. I wanted to ask you, when you first started doing those first games, how did you find it? Because I think one of the things that a lot of people who are thinking about trying for this is, they go, oh, what if I make a mistake? What if I get something wrong? And look, I don't know about you, but I know whenever we do something Whenever anybody does something for the first time, or certainly for me, you're going to make mistakes. How did you find that first, first few calls you did? Yeah, um, I, I, to be honest, like the mistake part is something I think about to this day. You know, I, I still think every every game I do, I'm going to make a mistake. Someone's going to pull me up on Twitter or tell me I'm an idiot on social media. Like I just always have that sort of fear in my head. But I guess the first time round, it was it was all pretty raw. Um, it was just the game on a, on a Facebook live stream and. You know, I sort of didn't worry too much about it when I went in. I just thought, oh, well, mum's going to be listening, so that'll, that'll be nice. Um, so I just sort of hung my head on that, that she'll be listening and she'll be there ready to, to fight the battles out there. But, you know, the views started going up, the comments started coming coming in, you know, who is this girl? Um, you know, the commentary is fantastic. And it sort of gave me, you know, a, a bit of confidence going into it. You know, I, was, I think I was probably like 16 or 17 at the time. So, you know, my voice was certainly very raw and it was a, a very raw and different voice, but people seem to enjoy it. And, you know, I think in in the weeks leading after people just, and still to this day, people say, I still remember, you you know, commentating on the EDFL back in the day. And, you know, it leaves a mark with people. I think I tend to worry about the little stuff and the mistakes, but I've just got to, and I think everyone's going to be better at this, at just thinking of the bigger picture that people are just excited to hear women in sport calling. And I think there's sort of a, a bigger majority of people that like you versus the people that don't. So, yeah, I just sort of got to hold my head on that. But yeah, that's certainly what I was, I was certainly worried about the mistakes in my first game. But yeah, I was um, buoyed by the confidence and, and the reaction afterwards. So yeah. Yeah, and it's not as easy as it looks. I think for me, I'm lucky doing a podcast is definitely great practice. And then jumping in the commentary box, it's just like chatting with a friend. So I'll just kind of, if you just kind of chat with a friend thinking no one's going to listen anyway, like you said, oh, it's just going to be mum listening. That's all right. She's going to like it regardless. So <laughs> the pressure's off. <laughs> okay. So look, let's, let's talk about, you know, sports journalism, Latrobe Uni, I think. Yeah. Yep. yep. What sort of opportunities did you get from that? You've obviously got a foundation, you've done the, the more formal side of the education and now... What sort of opportunities did you get out of uni to help you get to where you are? Yeah, so I think my mindset when I was at uni was to just get involved in as many things as I can because I sort of came into uni as a as wanting to be a print journalist and, and writing for newspapers. But as soon as I got there, I realised I had a lot more to my career than I thought and that wasn't really for me, just sitting in a newsroom all day and, and penning out stories, even though that's sort of what I did, you know, along the way. But you know, I just wanted to do as, as many things as I can. And I guess while I was in uni, I was doing casual work sort of at Sketches came up, but also at the same time, you know, doing things like commentating um, local footy or writing, you know, articles about the women's footy on the weekends, um, 
just for my local footy outlet. And then, you know, I sort of progressed to doing some internship work just through networks, just through people I knew uh, were able to get me those opportunities. So I was doing some intern work at SEN, um, you know, getting up at 4am and um, doing some social media and stuff for the boys in the brekkie show, then heading off to uni, you know, so it was, it was a crazy time, but I was just sort of wanting to do as much as I can and really get a feel of what I wanted to do when I left uni, because a lot of a lot of people just go through uni and think, all right, I'll do my study. And then once I'm done, I'm just going to walk into a job. That is not what happens. <laughs> and I don't think that's how it is for any industry. And I was very aware of that. And it, and unfortunately, a lot of people are not and they get sort of stuck and end up having to either go back to uni or, you know, keep working, you know, in their little Kmarts or sketches, you know, for a bit longer than they intended to do. So I was certainly very conscious of that. And, you know, and sort of when I got out of uni, I, I sort of got that dream job. I was working at a football club and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm set now. So yeah, it was very happy to just sort of try my hand in everything and get the right result in the end. And there's a little bit more freedom to um, content in, I think, in a sports journalism space as well now, uh, because some of my friends who are part of the sports journalism world, who write for some pretty reputable outlets, uh, back in the day when we studied in the 2000s, it was kind of, yeah, the typical pathways of you either go print or you either go broadcast. And that was really before things like social media and uh, content creating on the internet really took off. Have you dabbled a little bit in any kind of digital content creating just yet? Yeah, yeah, I've done a fair bit of it, actually. Um, So my previous job, I was working um with the MBL, doing some digital content in the MBL one space. So yeah, very heavily involved in in basketball and I guess knowing the up and coming crop and you know that was really cool and I guess it was you know sort of refreshing it was sort of you know I think I've, I've done a lot of footy work in my life and to really go full-time and hone into basketball it's an evolving sport it's a growing sport you have to sort of fight for the market a bit more so you have to think outside of the box a bit with your content what are people going to want to read over a Collingwood article or what are the people going to do to choose my article over that you know just sort of thinking in that way what clever captions can I do what audiences can I target with my writing and um, my social media production and all that so yeah did a bit of that at the NPL um, yeah did it at SEN a few years back as well and yeah just just sort of done it through um, you know uni as well you sort of learn a bit of that but yeah like like I said sort of going into uni the social media like like for me like obviously started a bit doing uni a bit later but uh, social media was only sort of just starting to be a big thing when I was heading into uni and then it became an actual job opportunity you know Um, it wasn't just a thing that you'd go on in your spare time it was a full-time thing so I had to quickly learn the ropes and um, you know I I was a very sort of staunch hater of social media but I have seen what it can do in a good way Um, and it's become a really sort of good news source I think for me personally just to keep up with everything that's going on so yeah, done a bit of work and, and look forward to continuing it. Yeah, one of the regular things we talk about is social media and how it can go one of two ways. If it's done right, it can be really positive. It can really help to get your message out. But unfortunately, there's people out there who just use it as an opportunity to get in there and start throwing hand grenades just for the sake of it. I mean, everybody's been on the receiving end. How do you find the best way for you to deal with it? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm still trying to find the right way. Um, you know, I think I, I saw something from Mel Jones saying that she um, gets someone to to read the comments after a game for her and then sort of filter out the bad ones and then tell her what they're saying. And I think that's sort of what I'd like to do with sort of my approach. But 
like I've got a guilty pleasure. It's not really a pleasure, but sort of a guilt. I always just go and search my name, you know, search for WNBL, search for everything just to find. I actually go and look for things that people are saying about me, which is a really, really bad thing to do. So that's something I've got to get a lot better at. Um, and it's something I really do want to get better at because it inhibits, you know, what what I do. And I think, you know, I've, I've got to take confidence in knowing that there's a majority of people that like me more than people that don't. And, you know, that some of the, the stuff I've got is stuff that just really is fundamentally untrue. So, you know, that one bot would be saying that, but, you know, the people that are really listening and really honing in would, wouldn't be saying that. And I've just got to take confidence in that. But there is certainly better ways to, to navigate social media. It'd be easier to say just delete it. I, I think that's what people always say, especially to athletes as well. Or why don't you delete your social media? It's because it's a tool. You need it. You do want to share your life. It's important to grow your brand um, as an athlete. For, and for me, you know, I work in social media. I need that platform. So even if I delete my own accounts, I'm still going to have my work accounts active and I'm going to use those to search for terms. So it's not as easy as just set and delete and forget. It's just, you know, working out ways to sort of be proactive and making sure that you're not glued to it so yeah I've, I've got to take my own advice but yeah that's sort of the advice I recommend for others as well. Now at the end of the day as long as the people paying your paycheck are happy with what you're doing and you they feel like you're fulfilling their role whatever all the negative stuff comes up online is invalid. Yeah, yeah. that's true and look the other thing is I can tell you that over time and as you get older, you tend to look at the opinions that they throw you away. You kind of like go, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, after a while, you just become less interested in those throwaway comments, particularly because they're people you don't know and you actually really don't care about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's good to look back on. I always just like in the moment sort of like I really care about those comments and I get really upset about it, but the more time sort of heals and you sort of look back and think that person really doesn't know what they were talking about because I definitely knew what I was saying and that's not being cocky or anything. Like I looked at my notes, I knew like someone said I didn't know who the players on the court were and I remember I literally watched the tape back and I said, actually, I didn't think I got a name wrong the whole broadcast. I went back and checked. I shouldn't have had to do that, but, you know, it's it's a good thing in hindsight to, you know, sort of know that there's a, there's a little minority out there that would just say things just for the sake of it and you know, I always just have this thing in my head, you know, I could have the absolute perfect game. I could have called the SHIT out of it, but, um, and, and it would be fantastic, but there's always going to be someone out there that just might not like my voice or might not like the way I said something or, you know, might not like the way I just scream or, or my pitch or my voice goes up. It's just the way people are and it's a sad life for them to live, but certainly a challenging world, social media, but I think in general, the pros sort of outweigh the cons. Like, like I said, it's, it's a great news source. It's a great way to communicate with, with family and friends, especially you know, people overseas, for example, like it's become so much easier to just, you know, hop on a FaceTime and, and have a chat to them and, and things like that. So overall, it's, it's a great sort of way to, to communicate. Um, but yeah, some people will just choose to, to use it that way and that's for them, but I'm sort of happy with it. Before as well, you mentioned a couple of times the program you were part of called Making the Call. Yes. Um, who was started by uh, the Race Sisters. For our listeners, can you give us a quick rundown about um, the program and kind of like, because you mentioned you mostly online as well, what kind of uh, materials and, um, and guidance and stuff did they provide as part of that program? Yeah, they, they just provided a, a multitude of things. I think 
sort of my round was online, but I know um, they've done, I think, two or three more rounds of people um, ever since. And they've been able to go in person and actually sit down and have a chat with some some really great people. So in my round, it was sort of, um, I think it was three Zoom sessions or three or four or something like that. The first one was just sort of, um, you know, sort of a bit to get to know you about what you want to do, heading into those old Zoom breakout groups and, and having a chat with people and and working out sort of how you can align. And that's sort of where you, where you really start to build your networks and really start getting to know people that you could potentially work with um, in the future and, and call on for other opportunities. And then I guess sort of the great part was they, that they brought in a lot of great mentors, like I was saying at the start, JC Pierce, Mel Jones, um, some great men some great allies that are are really good for us because at the end of the day a lot of men still do run these broadcast outlets so someone like David Byron for example used to be the head of Channel 10 Sport gave some really good insight you know particularly to you know when Kelly Underwood first took her first step in in her first you know sort of major step in sports broadcasting and called a men's footy game and he was really open about that and spoke about sort of the challenges and the pros and cons involved in that so that was great to hear I guess for people who want to go into the sport and they just um they were really open you know like a a lot of people shared their notes a lot of people were able to answer questions gave us their phone numbers gave us their emails so you know while those zoom sessions were great it was the stuff afterwards the contact books that you were starting to build not only with the other participants but with the mentors themselves so yeah I couldn't speak highly enough of the program and I know you know the girls are doing a lot of great work to keep expanding and and keep um, expanding the reach I know there's a lot of people you know interstate worldwide a lot of people seeking their interest in doing things in this program and in this space so yeah definitely watch this space (laughs) yeah I I think one of the key things for me out of that program is that it's helping to develop a whole new cohort of talent that's coming through but also I suppose the thing that's frustrating for me looking at it is I haven't seen a program like that in New South Wales and you know, all power to the program in Victoria, but we've got to try and, and get this happening on a more on a broader scale, because we all know there's lots of people who want to get involved. We all know that there's lots of people who've got the skills and they just don't know, or haven't got access to be able to get the teaching that they need, or the confidence building. Because for some, it might be it's just a matter of getting the confidence to do it a few times to go, hey, yeah, I really like this, and then be able to go forward. Do you know if they've got any plans to try and take the program wider? Yeah, I don't know if they've got any sort of concrete plans, but I know like, and I can certainly go back to them and say there's definitely interest from interstate. I think they, they're sort of aware of that. I think maybe my first round, there was, I'm trying to think if there was people from interstate that jumped on anyway. Like we were able to do it in our first round in COVID online. So I don't see why they could do another sort of round of, of online programming or if the sisters could travel over to to Sydney I'm sure they'd have fun doing that so I think they'd certainly be looking to expand and I think the demand's certainly getting there as well there's a lot of um, you know really talented people putting their hand up for this and yeah I'd say that there's definitely a tide sort of turning and and you know I think interstate will certainly catch up if not now very soon. Great. Yeah, I sent I sent an online inquiry asking if there was anything similar in New South Wales because I was like, I want to be a part of this. This sounds awesome. Yeah. And they said uh, they don't obviously don't have anything in New South Wales yet and they didn't know of any kind of similar programs yet. Um, so then I thought, oh, well, maybe I should just move to Victoria and have a Victorian address for six months and do it and then come back. <laughs> we love having more people in Victoria, you know. <laughs> Like there may not be like a concrete program in New South Wales, but I know there's a lot of people that, you know, are willing to help and a lot of commentators sort of in New South Wales will be willing to help. I'm sure if you just 
slid into the old DMs. I'm sure they'd be happy to reply. And if they don't, oh, well. But And even so, people in Melbourne as well, like if you just email them or, or get in touch with them, they may not be able to come and get a physical coffee with you, but they can have a Zoom coffee, see what you're all about, and then, you know, really point you in the right direction and give you some feedback. Like one of my mentors lives in Sydney. So, and, and we work together on a very regular basis. So it can happen and, uh, and it's not a specific program that I'm in with him. It's just a, a good old chinwag on a, on a Thursday Arvo. So yeah, it, it's it's possible to, you know, make these things work. Okay. So let's just sort of roll on to the, the WNBL broadcasts because I thought that was, it was great. The, the broadcast, there was an enthusiasm to this season's broadcast that was different to previous seasons. I also thought... The quality of the expert commentary that was there as well made a huge difference. How was that working in that environment? It was a real sort of life-changing experience. And I mean, to be honest, it actually wasn't something I really sought out to do. They actually sort of approached me and said, you know, do you want to have a go at calling WNBL? And I just thought, well, me, but I barely even called some some local basketball. But yeah, that's what I mean with the demand. They're really trying to push female voices out there. So yeah, I was really privileged to to get that opportunity and call some some really great games as well, like some really fun sort of exciting games. So it helped that I'd sort of been in that studio before and I sort of knew that environment. You know, I'd actually produced the NBL One show in that studio behind the scenes and then all of a sudden to be on that desk and in front of a camera was a different experience. So, you know, that was really fun. And to be with that calibre of expert commentators too, they really sort of helped you along the way. And you, you sort of learnt things every broadcast. Like I sort of came from... A radio calling background so I was calling sort of every basket every pass every steal like everything and as the game sort of went on I knew that I didn't have to call that much because people were looking at the screen I didn't have to use my voice as much you know just really sort of nail those big moments so yeah that that was sort of how I sort of took the approach to WNBL but yeah it was such an enjoyable experience yeah I loved it. And we're really happy that when we touched on it before, uh, the first example you gave was Laurie Chiswick, who is an absolute icon in her own right as a player and a coach and someone who I grew up watching commentate on the WNBL still when it was uh, regularly broadcast on the ABC. So what was it like working with such an expert? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was such a great experience. Laurie was was huge to me. It was actually like so so intimidating to work with her at the start because she's someone you looked up to for so many years and all of a sudden you were sitting on a desk next to her. But she ended up, you know, sort of going from that that star studded person to just being like sort of almost a second mum to me. She she'd sort of guide me through and hold my hand and just keep encouraging me that I was doing well, even though sometimes I felt like I was not. I felt like I was taking other people's places, you know, things like that. But she was really encouraging and um, really just helped me along the way and gave me that belief that you know, I could, I could do this and, you know, I could progress into a really cool pathway. Try not to let that imposter syndrome infiltrate your brain, Julia, because like I said, you know, if your bosses are happy and you're there for a reason, you know what I mean? Like if someone has gone to sort you out to do a job that they believe that you can do, that's why you're there kind of thing. So we, we got to take that imposter syndrome out of your brain. And I only say that because I definitely live with the same feelings and experiences and also have to set my own boundaries with social media, like don't read in the comment section, being conscious of like quality over content kind of thing too. So we're all good, mate. We're all good. <laughs> yeah. <I love> that. <laughs> now, all things being equal, we've had someone jump on. Are you there, Laurie? I certainly am. 
Yay! <laughs> there we go. Uh, there she Hi. is. Hi. I love I love surprises, Julia. <laughs> it's so good to see you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Very excited to be having a chat with everybody. How about you? Yeah. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that working with Laurie, she was a gun, and we thought, you know what? It was such a great combination that it'd be great to get Laurie to come on and give us a little bit of background on you guys working together and how she sees your potential trajectory. Well, look, I um, when they first, you know, we always get told who we're going to be, who, who our um, co-commentator, the play-by-play is. And, and uh, so I got the message that it was going to be Julia Matasano. And I'm like, who? <laughs> Can't say I've ever heard of her. Okay, well, that's good. It's a, it's a female. That's, it. that's pretty exciting. So I think before, I was trying to think about this, Julia, before we actually did our first game together, I think I rang and spoke to you because it's always nice to get that little bit of, you know, just con- content of who you're talking to. And so um, we spoke for a little bit and I said to Julia, why don't you send me um, through some of your notes because you were thinking about the game we were playing and we were chatting about that. And um, and I'll just have a quick look at them before the game. So Julia emailed me through her notes and it was like a book. Oh my goodness, she had that much information. I'm thinking, I'm never going to get a word in edgewise if she says all this. So that was my first impression, very, very prepared in what she, she did and, and what she brought to the table and then we we met for our first game and um to be honest julia you were thrown into a pretty deep situation straight away going from nbl1 to then and and by yourself and it's a big difference having somebody uh, an expert sitting alongside you um, because you have to share the airwaves so to speak so you know you you were thrown in there you were in front of a camera i think for the first time too and you go where do you look? Is it a wide angle? Am I by myself? So all those things you had to navigate first time and you're on national TV. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And to your credit, I was so impressed how you just took everything in your stride and got through it. And then, you know, we did a few more together and you just got better and better. So it was really fun to, to work with you, especially that first game. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so much fun, wasn't it? I always think back to that first game and I was just like, I don't think I looked at the camera not once, but <laughs> people sort of got the point and, and it came across and probably poor Laurie didn't get to speak as much as she would have liked, but you know, we sort of kept that chemistry going and, and we get, we got better sort of with each game. And yeah, it was just a very, very memorable experience, especially like you said, sort of being thrown in the deep end and just having to sort of navigate things and, and try and work out what was what as we were going. So yeah, all part of the fun. <laughs> and you know what? That's something I did. I, I, you know, I always, whenever I'm working with somebody, the last thing we do before they say, you know, you're on air in a minute is just give the little fist pump and, and let's have some fun out there. Because I think that really comes across when you're commentating is, is if you've got the passion and you're enjoying doing what you're doing, I think the listeners, um, you know, they, they can pick that up in your voice. And I think that's really important. So, you know, I was trying to put, I'm sure, I mean, you you didn't look like it, but I'm sure you were a bundle of nerves, Julia. And so it was just up to me to try and, you know, ease that a little bit and, and, um, and just make sure you had a bit of fun and enjoyed yourself. 
yeah well you did a great job I was definitely a bundle of nerves they could definitely say that. but yeah so it was good to sort of have someone like you sitting next to me and just sort of guiding me through you know I could just and I could just learn from you as well it was just sort of you know just having a regular chat about basketball how often do you get to do that my family don't know anything about basketball my friends don't know much they can't keep up when I start to speak about it so it was good to just have a a good old chat with someone and to do it in front of a nation, what could be better? So yeah, it's really, really good. <laughs> Laurie, thanks so much for dropping in on us. And, you know, we really appreciate your time. I know it was organized in a very short space of time and looking forward to talking to you again really soon. Yeah. Could I just add something? I don't know sure. whether you whatever, but I think it's really important that what, what you've done, Julia, is really courageous um, because you are the first as far as I know the first play, female play-by-play caller and, and that's that's a big deal because you know we're all really used to listening to either two men or a male caller and a female expert and so yes it will take time for people to get used to that dynamic and you're certainly you know going to get better and these opportunities that are presenting themselves are amazing but you know just the fact that you seek feedback you know you have uh, if I'm your mentor that's fantastic because you don't want you know your friends may go oh yeah you were great but you need people to be a little bit honest and go yes you were great but try and think of these areas and that and I I think you're, you're so good at taking feedback on and that's what's going to help you. So uh, I just want to congratulate you on the steps you've taken to keep going with this and, and the opportunities. And you've just jumped in there and, and embraced everything. So well done to you. Thank you so much, Laurie. That's Thank you fantastic. for coming on. It's very, very <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, okay. Laurie. Yeah. Bye. Okay. <laughs> It's getting misty in here. Yeah. Thank you for that beautiful surprise. That was lovely. I was expecting that. Not on my Friday, Arvo. (laughs) I was watching you and and Laurie doing the calls at the early stages of the season. And I felt this is fantastic because my daughters can see somebody doing this. All the girls out there young kids who want to have an opportunity to do this, they can see somebody doing it. They can see you working with Laurie and they can go, that's achievable for me now. And prior to that, that wasn't the case. What you're doing, not only is it's you're doing something that you're having fun doing, but you're actually providing a role model for anybody who wants to do what you do. That's amazing to hear. Thank you. And that's sort of that's sort of the main reason why I do it. I mean, to be honest, it's actually getting a lot harder for me to commentate. You know, my job's getting very busy and it's it's something I've really got to start sort of focusing in on and honing in on. But, you know, if I can't do it, I want to have a whole sort of glossary of names I can put out and I have started to give out other names because I just I can't do everything. And I, and, and this is the whole point of, you know, programs like Making the Call and even um, I did an ABC Women in Sport broadcasting program and I should give them a shout out as well because that was a fantastic program too. And it's just um, as much as it's great for me and it's great for myself to be sort of the, you know, a, a really big voice right now, I, I want it to sort of carry on for generations to come. I want, you know, my daughters to be doing it. I want sort of the future generation to, to be able to, to be it because, you know, I remember when I first said I wanted to be a commentator, I was probably eight or 10 years old I remember I was I remember very vividly I was sitting sort of in 
DiCaprio's restaurant in, in Melbourne, just sort of near the airport. Um, it was just sort of a, a basketball sort of going away dinner, you know, thanks for the season. And everyone sort of went around the table and spoke about what they wanted to do when they grew up. And, you know, there was girls that said, you know, I want to be a vet, I want to be an author, I want to be a singer and, you know, like things like that. I want to be a teacher. So sort of just really sort of things you'd expect at that age. And then I sort of came to my turn and then I sort of said, well, I want to be a commentator. And I just remember that everyone sort of laughed at me and it, it wasn't, you know, I don't blame it on them because at the time there wasn't any female commentators out there. So they thought, well, of course she can't do that. What's she talking about? I'm, and I guess sort of looking back, they probably thought, oh, that's really cute. Like she wants to be a commentator. That's really nice. But I was dead serious. Like I, I really did want to be a commentator. And I really did want to take that sort of step. So if I could, you know, fast forward 10 years, if I could be in that restaurant again and then not laughing at me and them saying, oh, great, how can we help? You know, that that's what I want. So it's not sort of about me, this whole journey. It's about what I can create and then what we can do moving forward as, as a society, really. So, yeah. It's not something that when you grow up playing sport as a young female or even non-binary now, I guess, like it's not something growing up that you think is a pathway in your sport. Like when you grow up as an athlete or you like playing a sport, you think, oh, yeah, I could be a player or a coach or a referee or a school like there seems to be like this hierarchy of options and pathways of how to continue to be engaged in, in your favorite sport yeah and you just commentating is like not a, a, a regular kind of common thought to have as an aspiration but I think to our advantage as well is having things like now MBL1 having uh, well, at least at basketball, NBL one now having live streams. So there is that greater opportunity for a whole bunch of people to give commentating a try. And you were talking about, you know, how you got your start in uh, radio and things like that and just calling like your local footy and things like that. And again, like just having you there doing that at any kind of, whether it's club level on a Friday night, NBL one WNBL, just having you at those levels is just that multitude of representation of like, oh yeah, that is a legitimate career pathway for me. And uh, yes, I feel like you're right. As soon as, as if we keep kind of doing that kind of thing and just turning up, then like Paul said, it just means that younger generations are going to see that and it's going to be like normalized for them. And hopefully in at least as short as five years time, I really hope that women commentating men's games is just going to be a no brainer. Like it shouldn't really be a big deal because you're commentating basketball or or AFL it's the same sport right so why should it be any different if a woman is commentating or a non-binary person is commentating on a men's game yeah you're exactly right and I think that's you know sort of the big thing we want to create these these pathways to, for future women because you know you know right now I can't commit to commentating full-time and it's not to believe it or not it's actually not, not something I want to really do full-time I sort of want to I'm working in a great job at the moment I'm working directly with women's sport like it, it's it's a really good fit for me so if it's something I can do on the side, I'm really, really happy with it. But I know there's a lot of women who'd really appreciate a full-time opportunity and, and I hope those start to grow more and more. This actually becomes a career path because right now, if I were to quit my job and, and say I wanted to be a commentator full-time, there's not really actually much avenues for me to do that. Like sport's very seasonal for one thing. It's, it's very much just one day a week. You call your own game and then you're done for the week and then you're just left on your own battle. So, you know, I think hopefully those sort of things start to come and then we can have sort of more full-time commentators, full-time broadcasters, you know, and just full-time women on TV. Like how, like how good would that be? You're right. There shouldn't really need to be a differential between women's and men's sports and it's sort of one society and, and coming together. So yeah, hopefully we can sort of create those full-time pathways in the future. 
Do you feel like as well, just like a side comment, if you were to commit or if someone was to commit to just commentating full time, you know, not doing any kind of print or any kind of digital content or, or anything else to offset it, are they at kind of at risk of becoming stale almost, like a bit too same-samey when they're just kind of sticking to the one thing? Um, no, I don't think so. I think if you are a full-time commentator, you know, you might be doing a variety of sports, so you're kind of keeping it fresh and keeping it different. Like if that's a career opportunity for you, then there's definitely just people just hit you up randomly. Like I just, you know, I get hit up to call sort of a, a school footy on a Wednesday and, you know, I get called up to call some random games on a Friday night and, um, you know, I can't always do them, but they're always there. They're always sort of waiting and, you know, they always sort of say to just put your hand up anyway. So, like you could say that point for any job that you even in the digital and content space that can become stale you know you are sort of doing the the same sort of tweets the same you know sort of stuff every week the same articles you know your match reports your match previews like those stuff all sort of can become stale in a way but you find ways in yourself to make it different and that's how you can do it in commentary as well you might take a different approach for different sports or a different approach for different games you might have you know a North Melbourne versus Richmond on one day and then a Carlton versus Melbourne on another day and you might think oh I want to call this one in a certain way there's a different sort of fan base North Melbourne fans might be a bit younger they might sort of like this different sort of style Melbourne fans are sort of rigid and and, and very just traditionalist so you might call a game in a different way so you know there's ways that it can become stale but you can challenge yourself you can sort of say how can I call it differently what sort of feedback can I get can I get feedback from a different person every week so you know there's certainly ways to go about it and make it a really fun and vibrant job. So Moving off a of broadcast for a bit, I want to talk about the wider women's hoops community and, and the game itself. What aspects do you think the game falls short at the moment? And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, to bash the sport, but it's gone from being, you know, what was the number one women's league, and certainly the longest running women's league, to now where there's a lot of competition, the AFLW, cricket, soccer, NRLW, how does basketball, from your perspective, try and reverse what's been happening in terms of its profile? Yeah, and it's a great question. I mean, you know, and I'm the same. I don't want to sort of bash anyone because, you know, being in this space, it's it's really hard to promote a sport and bring it up from the ground up, really. I think um, I think the promotion does need to get better to a level. I think, you know, I'd like to sort of see, I'd like to open a paper more and see more women's sport, women's basketball on there. I know Megan Hustway does an absolutely incredible job. You know, she's got herself a, a regular column, which, you know, hasn't been seen in years and years in women's basketball. So, you know, she's done a fantastic job, but we just want more of it. Like we just, we honestly need about four, sort of five or six Megans to be reporting on basketball every week. So, you know, that's sort of the big thing. Um, how can we get more eyeballs watching basketball? How can we sort of tell these stories a bit better than we have? And I mean, you know, there are a lot of great stories out there. And, you know, if I can be a person to tell them, that's great. If anyone else can jump on board, that's great. You know, a lot of sort of, a lot of people are like, well, I like footy, so I'm going to write about footy. But you don't have to be sort of know about basketball and know the ins and outs to tell a story. If you're a good storyteller, you can go out and tell that story. So I think that the more sort of promotion, the more stories we can get out, the more people know, look out for these people like oh Kayla George is really funny I'm gonna go watch her on Saturday I love seeing you know her little sausage dogs I want to see I want to watch her play for Melbourne now you know just things like that sort of stick with you and you know it's something that you can do like my partner never really watched WNBL before I started commentating it and then we sort of sat down together and I said this is Kayla George you'll like her she's wearing your favorite shoes the curries and he's like oh look out for her now and like 
you know, my nonna loves her as well. Like, you know, I've just been trying to sort of get everyone on board. So, you know, it's just, it's how can we just keep promoting it to people and, and get the word of mouth thing going. But yeah, that's the big space with everything at the moment is how can we sort of get it up to the pinnacle, get it up to the top of the news cycle without being a scandal, you know, without big stories like that. Let's get some positive stuff going because it's a cracking league. It really is. And let's see if we can just keep propelling it. And that's not just talking about the WNBL as well. Like NBL one's a fantastic league. Yep. There's lots of leagues around the country that are doing great things. VJBL, our junior league down here. You know, it's some really fantastic work and some great stories that I think could be told really well. So, yeah, that's that's sort of what I'd point it to. One of the things I wanted to ask is, do you think non-traditional media, so podcasts like us and other outlets, can help because there seems to be an over-reliance on traditional media and they've got so many different sports that they've got to cover and they've got a limited amount of space and airtime. Do you think there needs to be a bit of a, an adjustment that sports administrators see these different types of outlets? Yeah, there is like, I think sort of people just sort of find their news mainly through mainstream media outlets. It's about sort of them taking that step to approach other people sort of outside their realms and saying, how can we report on something different? And, you know, I think Sunday's usually that sort of quiet day, that sort of fluffy day. What sort of features can we get up? I've been really impressed with what the ABC has been able to do in particular. Like they've been going outside their scope and approaching, you know, women to talk about things and, you know, write some really great stories. So it's it's a big thing for them to, you know, see that whole. And it's sort of about supporters as well. I think, you know, there's a, there's a thing we can do as fans in, in really sort of demanding that content and saying, you know, like we've got some great stories out here. Can you please tell them for us? And, you know, you guys are doing an absolutely fantastic job and, you know, there's not much more you can really do. You're doing it each week, just speaking to key basketball people and, and trying to elevate the name, you know. Hearing Jane Melbourne on a podcast, you know, is, is fantastic and, and hearing her just speak about her journey as a girl from Gippsland, you know, you don't get to you don't get to hear that as much as you should. Like, it's crazy. She's just, she's gone from Gippsland to Seattle. Like, it's absolutely crazy. But, and it's good that there's, there's something out there to, to tell those stories. But, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, keep spreading the word, keep sharing the love. You know, we can do that as fans. And then I think the mainstream media is just to, you know, just go outside the scope a little bit and really just see those fresh and different voices, which I think is happening. I'm seeing a lot of great people get really great jobs, you know, in, in sports media. And, and I'm really confident that, you know, it, it will take a bit of time, but I think it will head in the right direction. We will have that 50-50 split, you know, on the newspaper, you know, and that'll, and that'll be really satisfying to see when it does happen. You got the FIBA Women's World Cup coming up. It's not that far away. It's less than 90 days. Not that we're counting. No. <laughs> it's less than 90 days already. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. The clock's counting down. What are you doing to prepare yourself for that? Yeah, it's it's a great question. There's, there's so much prep to do. Um, I've done the basic things. So I've sort of um, gone on social media and, and followed, you know, all the every single basketball um that nation that's playing in the World Cup, following all the the big players and turning those post notifications on. So as soon as they post on there, I know exactly what's going on. So that's sort of a, a basic thing because right now it is a bit hard without sort of the, those full squads and those numbers to go with it. You can't really learn too much about, you can't really sort of get to know the things off by heart. So I'm just keeping it up from a distance and keeping up with all the news, you know. Obviously, Lauren Jackson's a pretty big piece of news, so I'm keeping up with that. But also Nigeria as well, I saw they sort of came out last night and said, you know, I think, 
the administration's sort of been turned around a bit or were able to play. So I'm sort of wondering what's what's sort of happening there. So I'm sort of keeping my eyes peeled in that sense about what's going on. But I guess in the immediate future, um, you know, FIBA's been giving me some practice games. I did a Turkey versus Greece men's game, just a little practice one, got some feedback from the one and only Jeff Taylor, which is unbelievable. And then next week I'm calling the Boomers qualifiers in Melbourne. So Cool. Very, very nervous, but it's it's pretty exciting, um, you know, to be calling a really high level of basketball and, and the squads are coming together. It's all looking really good. So that's sort of my next practice. And then there is another sort of World Cup qualifier window in August, which I'll have to see if I can do. But no doubt I'll still keep practicing. I think, you know, there's only so much. Um, I think the, the sort of the nitty gritty research sort of comes in the, the weeks before, but in the months before it's just about, sort of calling as, as much as you can um, and really sort of taking on that feedback. So, and I'm practicing by doing NBL one, you know, it might not be sort of, you might, you might not be calling those sort of world cup caliber players, but you are calling some great players. Like I call Maddie Garrick at Keelor on a Saturday night, like how crazy is that? So it's just, it's, you may not be able to sort of practice that sort of high level stuff with the knees, but I could practice things like just being excited or um, using sort of different terminologies, that stuff I can yeah. sort of practice and, and take into my game. So um, there's lots of layers of preparation, but yeah, hopefully when, when the time comes, I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so Afiba, um, yeah, helping you foster, you know, or facilitate some of those extra opportunities for practice. Like uh, you mentioned, you got some good feedback from Jeff Taylor. So was that all part of, you know, being selected for the She Got Game program that they were going to provide a bit of feedback, mentorship, yeah, facilitate those opportunities too, to do some some other games? Yeah, yeah, that this is all this is all part of FIBA. So yeah, they've they've got me to sort of call these men's games. I actually didn't think I'd be calling any men's games prior to, to the World Cup or any games at all. I don't even I don't really know what games I'm calling for the World Cup either as well. Like I don't know if it's every game or like I sort of went into it thinking, Oh, I'll call a game, it'd be good, I'll get to go home and then that's it. But from what it sounds like it's it's <laughs> sort of a pretty, pretty full on operation. So um, I'm sort of preparing myself for, for what's to come. But, yeah, they've been really supportive. And it's great there's a program out there like this, and I hope it does continue, not only for World Cups, but Asia Cups, you know, um, you know, local basketball tournaments, whatever they're running, we'd love more female voices. And I know they've got, I think, a photography program as well where they're selecting a, sort of the best female photographer out of all those submissions. I don't know how they're going to pick because I've been looking at the photos and they're incredible. But, you know, they're creating some really great programs and making some really great strides in that space. So, Hopefully other organisations can follow. You know, there's um, I know there's a lot of great women calling soccer, for example, the World Game, you know, and things like rugby. Like just there's so many sports that are just demanding women. So the more of these programs we can create, the better, because I think, Cynthia, you mentioned before, it's just the thing that we have is just just low confidence, just in general, just being a woman. Like that's, that's what it is. And I think the biggest question that sort of came up in the programs I did is just we were all just sort of asking women, you know, how what's it like being in a male-dominant organisation? What's it like being in a male-dominant world? And everyone's just sort of panicking because it's just, it's men. But there's a lot of, I know we say like we want more women voices, but there are a lot of great men allies out there that are doing really great things and really recognising the need for women in sports. So, yeah, I take my hat off to those men that are really sort of paving the way. And, and FIBA's a lot of, you know, male allies in there as well. You know, Jeff's, Jeff's one of them, Jeff's Exhibit A, you know, he calls me, his kid down under so um it's great to sort of have that relationship with him and be able to seek feedback you know whenever even though the time difference is huge we we, we get together and we have a little chid wag so it's good and do you know who you're calling with on for the boomers game next weekend in melbourne it's a solo call actually so it's oh. me myself and i so yes if so i'll put the call out if there is any 
social media nuffies out there, please just <laughs> I've got my mum to get Twitter and, and fight off anyone um, just to make sure I'm okay. But, yeah, like I, I am looking forward to it. It's, it's a great opportunity. You know, initially I was, you know, really, really nervous and I still am, but um, I, I do recognise overall that this is a great thing for me to do. And I think I hope people are excited by, you know, sort of a new voice, you know, calling this stuff and, and to be able to call it on site as well is pretty cool. I think Phoebe usually has sort of a remote caller, um, yeah. you know, which is never really a bad thing, but, you know, it's always good to have that insight, on-site experience. So, yeah. And where can we hear you making the calls next weekend for the men's qualifiers? Yeah, so um, the games will be broadcast on ESPN. So Australia-China's on Thursday night and then um, Australia up against Japan on Friday and then on Sunday night they round it out with another match against China. So quality opposition, they've got sort of a big test on their hands, but it'll be some really good quality basketball, especially for the hype with the NBA draft, for example, you know, it'd be really great to see if it goes on. Well, I'll be there for the Sunday games. So if I see you on site on the box, I'll definitely give you a big nerdy wave from wherever I am. Yes, I'll give you a microphone. <laughs> I don't know how ESPN and FIFA would feel about me gate crashing. I would feel great. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be watching because I think it's great. It's a great opportunity. Having called the boomers as well, it's that first step in trying to break that barrier also. And it's, it's a really great opportunity. Now, before we go, there is always the one unscripted question. <laughs> it's harmless. Don't worry. It is. No, it's all good. I can do it. <laughs> okay. If you could pick any character from a TV sitcom, who would you be? Oh, great question. Um, I think I, I, I have been described in the past, and I, I love this, is being like a Phoebe from Friends, sort of very loopy, very just outgoing, <laughs> bubbly. You know, I'm a vegan. I'm sort of a hippie at heart. You know, I'm sort of like I've got that Phoebe mold and, you know, it's really good. Um, I was watching, I remember watching on the Friends Union and I was like, oh, you're still the same. It's just so good and so pure to see people sort of not change throughout the years and that's sort of, you know, sort of what I want to be like and how I sort of describe my personality. Um, you know, she's a fun person and she just always, you know, lived her life to the fullest and, yeah. Say like she's dead. She's not dead. She's still well and truly alive. Go Phoebe. But yeah, like that's sort of the person I sort of compare myself to. That's a great question. That was fun. <laughs> I have a similar question I just thought of actually, Paul, and it was yep. inspired by our last guest, Jade Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. You might have an inkling what I'm going to ask. When you play Mario Kart, what character are you? Ooh, that is a good question. I am usually a Yoshi person. I don't oh, know. Oh, Yoshi as well. <laughs> Did she pick Yoshi? Yep. She picked Yoshi and then she said she's usually Yoshi yeah. on a motorcycle Mobile, and yeah. I was floored because I haven't played Mario Kart since Nintendo 64 days, so there was no <laughs> motorcycles in my day. Yeah, so I, that just I blew my mind. I a regular kart, but, yeah, definitely me and Jade are the Yoshi sisters. I'll definitely take that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I just picked Yoshi just because he was green. Nature, you know, that's just that was just in my head. So, yeah. Always <laughs> super cute. Yoshi's super cute, though. He just seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, I'd swipe right, you know. Just... <laughs> 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 Maybe one day we can have, you know, eventually if we ask a few more of our guests, Paul, this, this Mario Kart question, we can have some kind of like Mario party and our guests can oh, yeah. race each other and they can all be Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> all the Yoshis versus all of the Toads. Yes, that sounds like a great idea. I definitely lose, but I would be there in spirit just at the back. Just like Phoebe with the running, you know, just sort of. Yeah. <laughs> 
Julia, it's been great having you on the show. Good luck with the, the Boomers games coming up with the FIBA Women's World Cup. We're definitely going to be at the World Cup. You know, can't wait. No, thank you for having me. That was it was a really fun chat. And yeah, just to anyone listening, if you do want to, you know, pursue further opportunities in commentary, please hit me up. I'm sure that Paul and Jacinta can share my details and, and yeah, we can go from there. So thank you. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.